Greetings. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the program that gets you in touch with your Houston Texans from inside the building. That would be NRG Stadium, and that would be here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. It's Texans All Access, and it's great to have you with us tonight. And we wish it was a happier night. The Rockets, of course, losing Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals last night. Johnny, how are you doing? Doing pretty well, other than obvious, the obvious, as you just said, Mark. The Rockets losing Golden State. Uh, look, I, there's so many different ways you can take this. It was a seven-game series against a team that is just uh, – the, the team's been together now. It was the second season they've all been together, and you can tell. They they know where everybody's supposed to be on the floor. They took Houston's best punch and punches throughout the series. Yep. And then they won the two games that obviously mattered in six and seven. They won twice on the Rockets' home court. And that that Chris Paul being out was uh, – there were a lot of differences – you know, they didn't shoot the ball well, obviously. I, I found it interesting that both home teams in Game 7s, Boston mm-hmm. and Houston, shot horribly from three-point range. Yeah, it's amazing horribly. to have two road teams win the Game 7s. Yep. And it was the first time since whenever that you had two Game 7s yep. on the road in the Conference Finals, or two Game 7s at all in the Conference Finals. But uh, that's what you had, and you have the Cleveland Cavaliers against the Golden State Warriors again. I mean, this is Celtics-Lakers kind of stuff, yep. really, even more. They never went to four consecutive uh, in the 80s, that is. And so now you have this, and we'll see how it all plays out. But I know that Rockets fans aren't really concerned with this right now. Do you give the Cavaliers a shot of winning yes, the I series? Yes, I do. Absolutely. I do. I, I don't I mean absolutely. I think there's always a shot. Mm-hmm. I think the way Golden State played, you know, they were so ripe to go down. Yeah. You know, we've that's what's frustrating. We've done a lot of our football comparisons, and it kind of reminded us a little bit last week of the way the Patriots were in the playoffs of the 2016 season when I thought they were ripe to go down yep. that night if the Texans had some offense. Yep. You know, and I think that the Warriors were ripe to go down last night if the Rockets had some offense or more of it in the third mm-hmm. quarter. I mean, you can't miss all those threes. That's needless to say. You make three of those misses, and it's a – much tighter game and yep. maybe people tighten up in the yep. process and that's the thing you know maybe the pressure gets to the Warriors a little bit and it didn't do it it's fascinating to observe analyze think about what might have been but uh, that's what you have the Rockets are done congratulations yep. on an outstanding season otherwise I think that obviously if you have the best record in the entire league you hope to get to the finals and win the whole thing but you know you're facing a juggernaut team that wasn't overly concerned with having the best record. They had all those right. injuries, and they got their act together just in time. But I think it's not over, and I'll be watching. Yeah, there's no question. I think with with LeBron in this th- – I found it fascinating. Somebody tweeted this out, and then somebody adjusted it. This uh, They sent out a second tweet. But since 1999, that was the first year after Jordan. Mm-hmm. There were it was Duncan, Kobe, LeBron. Is that right? Duncan, Kobe, LeBron, in one of those three in every finals. Wow! From 1999 through 2017 and now 2018, except for 2006, which was the Heat and the Mavericks. If you added Shaq to that list, you would have covered. That's four people that would have covered every year. Right. But since 1991. Six players have been, at least one of these six has been in the finals. Magic, Jordan, Akeem, Kobe, uh, LeBron, and Duncan. One of those six has been in the finals. That's pretty amazing Since stuff Since 1991, right 
almost almost 30 years. It reminds me of AFC quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. I thought the same thing. Roethlisberger, exactly. Manning, Brady, other than Flacco, Flacco. in the 2012 mm-hmm. season, but all the other Super Bowls in the AFC representation yep. side of things contain Brady, Roethlisberger, or Manning. Manning. And Manning with the Colts, Manning with the Broncos, yep. so there you have it. It's pretty fun to talk about stuff like that. And, you know, with the NBA and in the NFL, too, you know, we talk about what's the legacy of a player. You have to win a championship. How many rings do you have? And we do it with the quarterbacks, too. Dan yep. Marino has zero rings. He went to one Super Bowl, but he should be regarded as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. I think he's right. a top-ten guy for sure, for sure, in my opinion, anyway. And with these basketball players, you know, there are plenty of great players, Carl Malone, who don't have rings. Charles Barkley, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So I don't know what the best way is. I think rings do figure into the equation. But the other thing is you have to take into account who they had around them, what the circumstances were. There are many ways to evaluate these players. These are team sports, folks. It's not tennis. Okay? In tennis, you could say, he never won on clay or he never did this or never did that. And it's fair to say. Now, even in golf, it's kind of fair to say, but sometimes the competition does affect your legacy as well. But in team sports, man, I think we get all hyped up on rings. You know, James Harden doesn't have a ring yet. Yet, he's 28 years old. Think about what the narrative was on Dirk Nowitzki after that 06 finals that you talked about. And then how the narrative changed in 2011 when he took down the mighty Miami Heat at the time. And I was really pulling for the Mavericks at the time because I did not want to see the Heat win. And that was painful to pull for a Dallas-based team. Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, I did not want that Heat team to win. There was something about that Mavericks team. God help me for saying this. But with Jason Terry and Jason Kidd and Nowitzki, I I sort of liked the makeup of that team. Yeah. For whatever reason, and I i mean, again, I was not big on cheering for a Dallas team. I just did not want that Miami team to win. I did not want the big three concept to become in vogue. I, did, that, I just right. didn't want that to happen. Even though it is. He, yeah, right. But you, to your point, and, and I think of some of the, the, the greats of all time, I, mean, I think the first one that pops to mind is Jordan. Well, Jordan doesn't win a bunch of championships if Scottie Pippen, another top 50 player of all time, is not – playing right there next to him right. for all those years so Jordan had Pippen and that was really before you kind of had teams that had two sort of mega stars now right. Jordan obviously was Jordan but Pippen was as good as and there were what 20 28 teams in the league at that time 27 would have loved to have had Pippen he would sure. have been a star for them absolutely uh, for other teams so but I always think it's different if it's a homegrown guy like Pippen was right you know, Central Arkansas, as opposed to somebody who joins in because they want to win a ring. Right, like the Heat, obviously, with LeBron and Bosh. But what about the Bulls with the second three when you have Dennis Rodman? It's a little bit different, but he was such an amazing player. And he was a key piece of that. You know, then, of course, they had Tony Kukoc. It was a differently constructed team, but, you know, a guy like Rodman, to me, is just like they had with Horace Grant. But, of course, Horace Grant was drafted and developed by the Bulls and then ended up going on to Orlando Magic. But I still think what's the core of the team? To me, the core of the team ended up being Jordan and Pippen. Now, look, along the way, you're going to have to make, I think you're going to have to make a shrewd move for the Bulls on those teams going out and getting Rodman, going out and getting Tony Kukoc. Those were shrewd moves to bring in to see how they were going to mesh with Jordan and Pippen, etc. But I don't know. Maybe it maybe it takes that for the Rockets. Maybe there's a shrewd move that Daryl Morey can make at this point. I felt like watching that team the other night. My favorite player on the floor was PJ Tucker. Yeah, PJ Tucker is tough. everything that I want in in, a, in an athlete: tough, 
hard-nosed, did the little things, never gave up, did things he wasn't even supposed to do. He ripped Stephen Curry when they were when they when he somehow got switched on Curry one time. He poked the ball away from, him, just literally stole it from him. Like, what? PJ Tucker is a dude. And I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast. He had JJ Redick on, and they talked for about ninety minutes. And it was fascinating. Redick was nearly signed, sealed, and delivered to come to the Rockets. But at the very end, there were some contract things. Apparently, Redick wanted four years, and they could only give him three. And he said, no, I'm going to go to the Sixers at that point. And that allowed the Rockets to then go after P.J. Tucker. Right. That, I think, ended up being best for all parties involved. Yeah, I mean, I it worked so. out for Redick and Philly, and it worked out for Tucker here. But I loved watching P.J. Tucker. That was a shrewd move. Giving Ryan Anderson a bunch of money? No, nah, it's not a shrewd move. But adding Tucker, finding Gerald Green in the trash heap to give him some minutes at certain mm-hmm. points was huge. And then, of course, making a play for Chris Paul – and how much he was missed. Well, how I much he was missed. He's your quarterback. Yeah, there's no doubt. You're playing without your quarterback. A- now, basketball's different. I get it. Harden can certainly run the points right. so well with all the assists and everything. But it was not a good night for him. It was not a good night for the team. They were gassed, and they were playing one of the all-time great teams. So that's what it is. And, look, I think the Warriors were ripe to go down, but the Rockets just didn't have enough to get it done, yep. and you can't miss all those threes. This just breaking news. You cannot miss all those threes. <laughs> what, but best of luck to them regrouping Ugh. in the offseason, and you know they will. You know they'll find some solutions. And, you know, as you're talking about shrewd moves, you know, I, I'm, I can't wait to have the conversations in February next year about, all right, did the Tyron Matthews yeah. shrewd move work out? You know right. how, and that's a move for him. Right. You know, one year deal where he wants to prove that he can sustain his level of play, stay mm-hmm. healthy, and get a longer term contract and and help a team win. And for the Texans, can you get all you want out of him at the safety spot? And then you think about some of the other additions they made, which are not exactly high profile marquee busting additions yep. in free agency, but some that can really help you. You know, PJ Tucker type signings. Right. That can really help you, uh, boy. We've on these recent shows, we've done a lot of football, basketball comparisons, a lot of analogies. That's what we do, but you know, this is what we do, and it's it's May, and it's going to be June soon. This is what we talk about in the off season. I'm excited, though. I'll tell you what, the Vander kid was freaking out last night about the officiating, about yeah. things not going well, about the three points, the three pointers missed constantly, all of that stuff. And then I said, "Listen, I've got two words to say to you that are going to make you feel better." Smooth this whole thing out. Deshaun Watson. Oh, I thought you were going to say free ice cream. I guess that's three <laughs> words, but, you know, that's pretty good. It, which, last night, by the way, and I I played this last night on the show, They, the, the NFL Network had been, they promo the show each week. And it's funny, I'll be kind of just doing things and I'll have NFL Network around the house. And they had been promoing this top 100. And then all of a sudden, I'll hear your voice, and I'll kind of snap to like, where? Like, wait, what? Why am I hearing Mark? Like, oh no, that's right. They're just running this promo, and there was about a minute promo that they ran. And I ran this last night, and it's three Seahawks talking about Watson. It's Michael Bennett, and it was Russell Wilson, and it was Earl Thomas, and they were talking about Watson because Watson made the top one hundred. He made. He they finally revealed him. He was at number fifty, which they they showed. They've been doing this list since 2000, 2011. Five rookie quarterbacks have made the list. Cam, Luck, RG3, Dak, and I, Watson. Uh, is Watson the fifth? I don't know. I think Watson was the fifth. Wentz? No. No, uh-uh. I, no, I think Watson was the fifth. Those okay. were the four. Watson ended up at 50. All those guys were 40 or better. But then I got to thinking, wait they a second. They all played a full season. Exactly. They all played a full season. RG3 was number 15. Andrew Luck was number 23 in the same year. 
But they did. They played an entire season. Mm -hmm. This guy played six and a half games. Six and a half games. It's it's unbelievable. And they they talked to the Seahawks players. Then they also had a little bite from Kevin Bayard. And the one thing that Kevin Bayard said, which I thought was very interesting, Mark, they said – he said that the nation's concentration was on him, essentially saying that everybody was watching him, that they were concentrating – Everybody throughout the country wanted to see what this guy was doing, right? And I thought it was fascinating because we've, with JJ Watt, with DeAndre Hopkins, with Devion Klein, there have been players that that people want to see, but I don't think to the extent of what Deshaun was doing last year, and people wanted to see. And oh, yeah. it was it was kind of fascinating that Byard was like, yeah, he kind of he he kind of gunslinged it, kind of guns. He was kind of a gunslinger against us. He hit us up for a few. I was like, hit you up for a few, hit you up for five, yeah. Kevin Bayard. So uh-huh. get used to that. The one time that they ended up facing me, he kind of smiled and chuckled like, cool, that boy's going to be tough to stop, which is true, and, and I hope he ends up being tough to stop. But they showed – I just lo- I love NFL Top 100 because they mix in your calls, and then Andre was on there a little bit, and then they had all the different players talking about him. Right. And it was – it was it was fascinating, but he made it in at number fifty. But no other Texans have been revealed, so that means that Jadeveon, DeAndre, and I think Tyron's going to make it. But um, I, think I think so? he is. I, I think he is. I've said that all along. He played a full season. I, I think he should make it, but that's that's just me. But at a minimum, Jadeveon and JD or Jadeveon and DeAndre are going to be in the top forty, top which is 40. pretty salty. Yeah. I think DeAndre his best year was twenty after twenty fifteen. He made he made it to nineteen. Jadeveon last year I think was forty nine, so he's definitely inside of that. If he's not on, if, if Jadeveon is not on the list, there, there's then I won't watch this list ever again. There's oh, no, he's he's definitely he's got to be on this. Uh, no Robert doubt. Griffin the third, by the way, his name comes up a lot right. when people are describing possible worst case scenarios yep. for Deshaun's career because RG three had a sensational, I'll put that in air quotes, rookie year, and look, they had a tremendous comeback mm-hmm. because they were down and out, losing record. I think they were. Three and six or three and seven, and they came back to finish nine and seven, yep. win the division, and make the playoffs. Yep. And that's when it all came apart, where he got hurt in the playoff game, yep. and was, he was never the same. How many touchdown passes did RG three throw in his rookie season? Twenty three. Twenty. That's it. Twenty. In he threw 15, twenty in whole season. In fifteen games. Sean threw nineteen seven. Yeah, six now, and a half. I'm not saying that. Oh, like I'm not, I, I hate to compare it this way, but I'm just pointing some things out here yeah. that we're looking at something a little bit different than RG three. And I really yeah. like RG three, and I, I feel sad the way it's working out for him, mm-hmm. the way it has worked out. I really expected more, and I was hoping for better for him because I was a huge fan coming out of college with RG three. All right, so RG three high completion percentage in that Shanahan offense at sixty five percent, which is a different kind of deal. Yeah. Right. And Watson, 61 percent. OK. But the 20 touchdown passes, that really sticks out to me. Yeah. Versus the 19 for Watson. Now, RG3 running the ball. He had seven rushing touchdowns that year. I mean, he was moving 815 yeah. yards. He ran it a lot. Yeah. He ran it a lot more than Watson. Now, I know we're dealing with 15 games versus six and a half. But Watson, I think. If you ask Deshaun, he'll say, I don't want to run it that much. I don't want to be a runner. Right. I, you know, I'll run on occasion. I know the threat is there, the zone read, all of it. But I don't want to be a runner. I think that he's got to become a pocket passer. And I think he kind of is, but he's got to have the threat. And I hate to say pocket because the pocket with him is such an amoeba. 
He can get outside, buy extra time. We've yeah. talked about all of that. But I think he doesn't want to pigeonhole himself in any way. He just wants to be a quarterback, but he wants to stay behind the line of scrimmage more often than not, of course. Yeah, there's no doubt. One, The one highlight that they showed, they showed it from field level. But I remember seeing it during the game. The, the Seahawks were in man coverage, and so everybody took off. And I think this shows the intelligence of Deshaun. When he dropped the throw and he got a little bit of heat up the field, he noticed that there was nobody in front of him, and he knew that they were all man coverage, so he just took off. RG3 would take off, and if you remember how he got hurt in the first place, yep. was he ran, he dove. Trying for, to get extra. Yeah, and Haloti Nada hit him in the legs, mm-hmm. and that that started his knee on the downward spiral, and then he ended up tearing it all the way against Seattle in the playoffs. That's how game. Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt in 2014 here. But what does Deshaun Watson do instead? Even in that game, there were at least three runs I can think of where he – had wide open space, but before anybody could breathe on him, he slid and got down. Yeah, slid, take a knee, do whatever you have Absolutely. to do, get out of bounds. All right, Johnny stays with us. A little bit more on this stuff, more on last night's activities. Sammy Coates is going to join us. It's all happening on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio, bringing you Texans All Access, and it's great to have you aboard for the night. We talked about a bunch of stuff in the first segment, including but not limited to the Rockets last night, of course. Deshaun Watson. Although we did not mention Watson being at the game, Johnny, and the guys from TNT, some of the other celebs who were there, wanting to take photos with Watson. Yep. I really love observing how people love him. Yeah. You know, they love our guy. They think the world of him. He's such a star already coming in to last year's season, yeah. never mind what he's been able to do in a short amount of time. In the NFL, and I know Bill O'Brien listening to this right now would be like, Vandy, shut up. Stop talking about him. <laughs> just let him. He would love to just hide him again if he possibly could. You can't do it. You no. know, he, the horse is out of the barn, so to speak. No, there's there's no question. But if there's if there's somebody that's going to handle it and handle it well, I think it's going to be Deshaun. And yeah. even at times when he feels like maybe he's not handling it well, mm-hmm. he's probably going to be outwardly handling it well. Just inside, he's like, oh, man, I could have handled that a little bit better. You know, just because, as he says, he wants to get 1% better every day. But I think that therein lies the difference. And we talked last segment about RG3 and Deshaun Watson. And I got asked this question. Uh, I was on with the guys in uh, Jacksonville talking to them, and they said they were like, okay, because I talked glowingly of Deshaun as as they had as well. And they Which said, okay, easy to do. But what if he follows the RG3 path? And I said, look, that's that's reasonable to ask. Yeah. There's been some rookies that have had great rookie years. They've had tremendous first years and then never get better after that and then just fall off a cliff at some point. And I said, here's why I think – here's why those two are different and why I think Deshaun is going to end up being better long run. Number one, I always felt like RG3 was a thrower, but Deshaun's a passer. I think Deshaun is much more polished as a passer than RG3 was. RG3 had a strong arm, a laser, but the throws that he was asked to make with Washington are much different than the throws that Deshaun's being asked to make. Thrower well, versus passer. Look at the offensive systems right away. Uh, absolutely. And then I think that obviously Deshaun's had some success at a higher level than RG3 did, but we'll go beyond that. But I think the last thing is that RG3's troubles, I think, in Washington stem from the fact that in the locker room, he was not as respected as 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 uh, Deshaun is. Mm-hmm. When Deshaun walks in the locker room, he doesn't need to tell you that he's there. Everyone feels that he's there. When we would have open locker room and, and we'd be in the locker room, Deshaun would walk in, everybody would be like, hey, there's Deshaun. 
there's Deshaun. Hey, man. Yeah. It was just this kind of aura that he brings. But it's not one of being bigger than the team, not bigger at all. than any other player. It's just I'm a piece of the machine. Mm-hmm. And I think RG3 and, and Shanahan had a, <laughs> had a rocky relationship because RG3 had a different belief in himself so you, you mean in the- a locker room. Then I think, and I think the players didn't respect RG three in Washington the way that the players here respect Deshaun. So when your mom has a radio show in the market in which you play, that's is that good? Is that a bad that's thing? Not, that's you, not good. You think Bill O'Brien wouldn't like that's, that? It's not good. The RG three mom show. No, no, no. Listen, Deshaun's mom is is wonderful, and and RG three's mom was was nice too. But yeah. to have a radio show, yeah, you got to be careful with that kind <laughs> no, of stuff. No. Although if if you know if I was playing professional football and my mom wanted a show, I would just hope that she wouldn't talk about me much. You mm. know what I mean? Talk about what you want to talk mm. about, Mom. I would shut that down. By the way, my mom, who died a long time ago, was a talk radio junkie. She would absolutely love this stuff, even yeah. though she wasn't a big sports fan. She would. I, I used to go into her room, and she'd have the, the radio on all the yeah. time. Talk shows in New York, talk show, talk show. Her car, always talk shows. She would love this stuff. My mom will listen to the radio and then say to me, well, they were saying the other day on the radio that Deshaun played really, really well. I was like, Mom, that was me. That was me you were listening <laughs> she'll, to. She'll quote you. <laughs> she'll quote me and then oh tell me what I said. But, yeah, RG3's mom did have a talk show in the Washington, D.C. area, and that was probably another thing that was uh, a little bit of a problem. Here's another thing, and, and again, I like RG3. But Watson is so likable. Yeah. He's just got that naturally. And kids, listen, when you're applying for jobs, when you want to be a professional, you have to find a way. Hopefully you are naturally likable. You have to find a way to be likable. It's so important in your career yep. to be likable. You walk through the door. They sense your energy. They see a ray of sunshine. You don't have dark clouds hovering over your head because <laughs> some people just somehow do. you got to try to get rid of that. you got to try to correct that. It's sometimes easier said than done. But Watson's so likable. I think even with the opponents, like they all want to beat him. Oh yeah, but they respect him so much. It was fascinating to watch players just migrate to him after a game. There would be two, three guys that just wanted to you know, shake his hand and be around him, be around him, mm-hmm. or you know, guys that had played against him. And you know, Jalen Ramsey, I think, is a is a great example of that. I watched Jalen on the field and Jalen is the baddest dude on the block. He and DeAndre go after it. It's a fun battle to watch. When he got around to Sean, it was just it was it was a different vibe. Yeah. And it wasn't as if all of a sudden he became meek or me or anything like that, but it just it went from being I'm the baddest dude to man, Deshaun, you Boy, you're really good. I mean, it's just this different vibe. Well, they all said he should have started that opening game, and and Ramsey didn't say Watson. He said Deshaun. Yeah. He called him by first name. Yeah, he's played against him at, in when Florida State played Clemson. I mean, he knows yeah. he knows all about him, and it was funny. His reaction to it wasn't even, "Hey, Deshaun should have started." He's like, "Man, they know Deshaun should have started." Like <laughs> the way that he said it too was so. He's like, "I don't know what they were doing for the first half, but Deshaun should have been on a field." And I mean, he was very. I mean, that's that's Jalen Ramsey, which unfortunately we have to face him twice a year. But that's that's him. That's how he said. But it just is interesting to see the players. And then I, after the Seattle game, I mean, almost every Seahawk defender was like, "Nobody's ever done that to us." Yeah, they were. I got to beat this dude. They were gushing. <laughs> it's crazy. Like we are now gushing, yep, of course. And uh, you know, we can go back to last year's camp and what led to Savage starting. But we both agreed that Savage. You know, if you're going to win a job, he kind of won the job. You know. Yeah. And. It obviously didn't work out for him. In fact, Brandon Whedon is wearing number three now, which looks a little freaky at practice to see Whedon in the number three jersey 
because Joe Webb has number five, Whedon's old number, and Stephen Morris, the other quarterback, is number six, and we go on and on. <gasps> Three, four, five, six. Oh, yes. Boy. Oh, man, you know how satisfying this is to the OCD? Oh, the OCD is happy with all the wide receivers and the teams all all, lined up. It's all consecutive. There's no breaks. It's beautiful. Does any wide receiver come into the league now today and request a number in the 80s? I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but but mostly not. Corey Davis is the only one I could think of. Corey Davis wore 84 at Western Michigan. He wore 84 with the Titans. Well, it's already been his number. Yeah. So it started a long time ago. But that's about it. Probably had it in high school. Nowadays, if you're in high school, you you want a single digit number. You want a low number. And think about it. You want to wear Julio, or you want to wear. DeAndre, or you want to wear Odell yep. Beckham Jr. You wear an 80s number. You're like, I'm not a tight end. Yet, yep. the guy arguably that's the best in the league is Antonio Brown, who wears 84. Right. There you have it. And wore what number in college? He wore 27. With the Chippewas. Chippewas wore 27. That's an aggravating receiver number know, in college. Like, you got to like. be a running back with 27 or a defensive know. back. You cannot play wide receiver with the number 27. All right. A guy who plays wide receiver for this team a new addition, and he's big. He's a large individual, and we're hoping for big things from him. That would be Sammy Coates. And Johnny and I visited with him in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. It's our first ever visit with you, so welcome to Houston. We haven't had a chance to say that to you yet. So what's it been like so far for you, just living here, working here, the whole bit? Um, I just came from Cleveland, so no snow. It's great. Um, negative weather is awesome. It's super hot down here. I love that. I'm from Alabama, so it's perfect fit for me i love the city it's huge so much to do so much food that is true you will get fed <laughs> well now how tough is that sammy being in a place that's got food like this and then you got to stay on the sports performance training program how tough is that um, i passed by a dorito place a taco place every day going home i'm like <laughs> it's hard you know? it is it is hard what about being here with the texans in particular deshaun watson at quarterback deandre hopkins here what about being here with this team, and what do you bring to this squad? For people that haven't seen you play, what are you bringing to this squad? Um, I'm a big guy. I'm fast. Um, I can play special teams. I can get on offense and make plays. So I bring um, versatile to the team, um, be able to help on special teams, give guys breaks. Whatever they need me to do, that's what I bring to this team. I'm very athletic. I'm healthy now. That was big for me coming down here being healthy. So just get, being able to be healthy and just show my talent again like I did when I was my second year at Pittsburgh. Yep. So it's going to be great. You've had a lot of different quarterbacks in your career, but now you have Deshaun Watson, and you've seen a little slice of what he can do, and I know you're working with him right now, so what's that like? Um, he's a great quarterback. He's learning the offense way better than he knew it did last year. Um, communication is a whole lot better just watching him out there and the things he can do once he's comfortable. It's going to be scary to see this kid just take over. When you move to a different location, obviously it's new, but when you walk in the locker room, you'd like to at least know somebody. You walk in, you see a former teammate, an oh, Auburn yeah. teammate, see Jay Prosh. Jay How Prosh. great was that to see at least have a familiar face when you walk in the locker room? Um, it's great. You know, it's always good to play with guys you played with before. You know, Jay Prosh, we got Blackson, we got Chad Slade here. That's right. Here. That's so right. I got a lot of guys here that played me in Auburn, so it's kind of crazy, but it's fun. You know, just playing with guys that played in the same yeah. conference as me, it's, it's like you know them guys. So. Yeah. What about the system, Sammy? This offensive system versus other places you've been? Um, it's it's a good it's a lot going on in it. It's, it's good for me. Um, makes you it moves you to the spot you need to be. It puts you in a position to play your best, not just you know put you somewhere we know you're not good at doing that. You know they put me in a situation where they know I'm good at certain things, so it helps a lot. So when you see somebody that 
is an Alabama Crimson Tide fan and you introduce yourself, Sammy Coach, did they kind of give you bad, dirty looks because because of that game in 2013 that you guys knocked off Alabama? You know, I get a, I get a lot of hate, you know, but it's okay. And um, I actually scored a touchdown to tie the game exactly. before that. So yeah. Yeah, but people forgot about that at the kick six. So <laughs> yeah, you like, sure to get cheated in that because that was a great touchdown. And I was very hurt about that, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's different in Alabama. You know, you got your Alabama and Auburn fans. That's all you got there. So right. get a little heated in that state. Have you been back much, though, to the stadium? Oh, yeah. to yes. the, all right, so that must be nice to go back. Oh, man, they haven't done so much stuff to it. I, I hardly ever recognize it when I go back. Really? Yes. Since you've left, they've done a lot of stuff? Yes. When are they going to stop? They're not going to stop. They can't stop now. I mean, it's all it's all about recruiting. Oh, man. I mean, how do you bring in – I mean, you see it everywhere. I mean, heck, Alabama just put a barbershop in their football facility. They, they facility is super nice. Yeah. i give them that. Yeah. Uh, what were your other options going to college? Oh, man, I only had three offers coming out. I had Auburn, I had Southern Miss, and I had South Alabama. Okay, so and that was not too difficult a decision. No. Being in the state of Alabama, I'd imagine you're, you're Crimson – or your blue and orange? Do, were you always thinking about Auburn? Well, when I was coming out, I was an Alabama fan. Um, Alabama was recruiting me. They wanted me to come to a camp. I really didn't want to go to a camp. If they didn't want to offer me, I was like, forget it. Yeah. Then I finally went to a camp. It was to Auburn. And they offered me right on the spot. So I was like, oh, I guess I should have went to a couple more camps. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. What was it like being, obviously, with you have Deshaun here, but what's it like being in a huddle with Ben Roethlisberger, a guy that's been around the league for a long time, guy that knows what he's doing? And he does things a little differently. It's not five step throw the football. It's sometimes five scramble move. Got to you. Got to move with him, and then he might find you after that. What's it like being with Ben? You know, Ben is a smart guy. He know knows what a defense is doing before they even do it. And um, that was something I learned from him. Just watching how he read the defense. He know a, a safety about to rotate. Um, and that that got me a lot of my catches when he roll out. I'm I'm faster than most guys, so I outrun. He throw the ball down the field. So he's he's a great. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, he got. He's so athletic to be so big. Yeah. But he was a great, and it was fun playing when I learned a lot from him. Your position coach now is John Perry. So you grew up in Alabama, and now you got this thick New England accent from your coach. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like adjusting to that? Uh, coach Perry is a great coach. He knew a lot about um, opposition, even though he coached tight ends before, but he knew a lot of drills. Um, he's smart. He knew the whole defense. He knew everything. He's teaching us how to read everything from left to right, right to left. Um, so it's it's good being with a guy like him that knows offense and he can read a good defense. It seems like some of his drills are a little bit different too, right? Uh, they are, a lot yeah. of contact and yeah. a lot of like catching balls and windows and stuff. Yeah, he all about tough, making tough plays. You know, um, that's good. You know, that's something I need to work on a lot. Just concentrating. He all about concentrating and doing little things right. So it's helping me a ton. What's the biggest key for you to being successful? Because you can run by a lot of people, but for you, Sammy Coates, what's the biggest key to being successful as a receiver in the NFL? Um, my biggest challenge was staying healthy was one, um, just doing the little things right. You know, coming out of college, I, I didn't do a lot of routes coming out. Um, I ran goals and posts in college, yep. and nobody could stop it. But um, the biggest thing is just doing the little things that I know I need to work on, like getting out of my cuts and um, just becoming a more consistent guy. And that's for all wide receivers. For any kid coming out, you got to be consistent in this league, and that's something that i got to work on. Sammy, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Thank you. Sammy Coates, let him know. All right, we'll talk about that and go around the league as John Harris stays with us on Texans All Access. Here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, it's Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Tuesday evening, and that usually means, you know, we're in our second day of the week doing radio. Johnny did the show last night, but it was the Memorial Day edition, right? You had yeah. Brian Peters, we kind of 
redid that one because yep. it was so good. The story about the possum in his house. Oh, I mean, that's hilarious. Also had Roland Ramirez, who is the Director of Rehabilitation Services and Associate Head Trainer here for the Texans. And I tease this. If you haven't heard the podcast, you definitely want to hear it. But I ran into Roe at some point. I think it was in December after these injuries have just piled up and piled up and piled up. And he he is – I don't want to say he's famous for this, but on Hard Knocks he is – he is the the man you see in the bucket hat with Devion Clowney pushing him and getting him to the end, right. getting him to the end and getting him ready. That's Roe, and and he's just the best. And I said, "Man, Roe, this has got to be the worst season, no?" And he goes, "Nope." 2007 Falcons. 2007 Falcons. What if happened? You think about the 2007 Falcons. Right before the season, the quarterback went to jail. Ooh, that Michael would be Michael Vick. Vick. Then Bobby Petrino. 12 games into the year. That was that year. Bolted, took off. He said they had injuries all over the place. Okay. He said it starts with Vic. Then Petrino's there for like 12 games. He takes off. They've got injuries all over. He said that year, that 2007 Falcons year is the, is the worst. He said these injuries, well, we, can, we can heal these guys. This is fine. He said, but that year when Vic goes to jail, then they've got to they don't have anybody to replace him because that happened, I believe, in August. They were they were throwing Joey Harrington. Yeah, oh, and oh. guess what? Matt Schaub signs with the Texans. Yep. And he would have been the guy there because yep. he was the backup. Had yep. they not traded him, he would have been taking over for Michael Vick right then. And he played pretty well oh. in a couple of uh, appearances for the Falcons. That's what got him the Texans' job as a free agent. Or no, that's in, the, a, in the trade, not a free it's agent. It's a great what if. What if, if Schaub stays? What if would Schaub's, the Texans have drafted Matt Ryan in 2008? You never know. Well, the Texans would have had to have a backup plan. I think the thinking was then they would have gone with a combination of Rosenfels and somebody else right. and just tried to do it the way they were trying to do it here with Mallet and Hoyer or right, whatever. Right. Something like that. Maybe Gary Kubiak would have figured it out. Look, maybe Rosenfels would have held it down. I don't know. But that was 2007. Texans opened up 2-0, and as you remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they come back here and lose to the Colts. Yes. In kind of a weird game. Andre Johnson missed seven games that year. They're all weird. A week or two later, they're in Atlanta and losing to Joey Harrington and the Falcons. Oh, I forgot about that. Harrington is 2-0 all time against the Texans because he beat them in 04 when the Texans visited Detroit. He, Roland talked about that year, and, and I was like, oh, my God, you're right. You're right. When you have your quarterback go to jail and mm-hmm. the first-year head coach leaving after 12 games or whatever it was. That was awful. Leaving a note in the locker saying, I'm out, see ya. And the next morning, he's doing Woo Pig Suey. The Woo Pig, I'll never forget that. Oh. Thank you. It was Monday oh, Night Football. Was they lost a Monday Night game, and less than 24 hours after that, he's doing Woo Pig Suey. Yeah. That did not oh. sit well with me. Some that, people would say in Atlanta that he got his just desserts with what happened at the end of that run at Arkansas. Oh, boy. On the motorcycle and all that, but yeah. I won't go any further. But, uh, but yeah, he, he said that was the – I said – that's that's that takes the cake. I I, I want to say that he said there were more injuries here. Yeah, but he well, said had just the injury level. The injury level there was more was significant, but also because of Vic and because of Petrino, he said it just made it well, absolutely well because everything collapses at that point. Everything. And even here, as bad as it was, you knew Watson would be back, right. and you thought, all right, you just got to take your lumps right. and go. And it just got worse volume wise. Because I think when you look at the star power and the volume, it's the worst injury season in the history of the league. Hmm. I mean, I just think quantifiably, and it's hard to quantify this stuff, I get it, but 
how could it not be worse than that? Let's just, if you want to play the what if game, what if, let's just go pie in the sky here. What if everybody stayed healthy? The entire squad oh. is healthy. Now, you didn't beat the Patriots with virtually everybody. Right. Right? You didn't have now, Will that day. That was you, the one you didn't have. You didn't have Will. All right, so Will's healthy that day against New England. Does that change things? Uh, you have, all right, the tight ends. You got Griffin back, but you didn't have Fedorowicz against the Patriots, did you? Yeah, you didn't have Fedorowicz or you didn't have Fuller. All right, you have so Fuller you, and Fedorowicz. Fuller and Fedorowicz, and I'm, you must have been missing a guy or two on defense. I can't even rem- remember right now against New England. But Kevin uh, Johnson didn't play in that game. All right, so imagine everybody's healthy. Yeah, that's right, because they were playing Jonathan Banks. God, don't even bring that up. Against the Patriots in guts of the game, snaps in which you needed to make stops. And Jonathan Banks, they got him off the street, right? And God bless him, but you'd rather have Kevin Johnson. Yeah, I remember during the break, Andre had some things to say, which he was right. Um, the It's funny because on that NFL Top 100 I mentioned, Michael Bennett is who who is from A-Leaf. He's from mm-hmm. here. He said, I thought after that game that they would win a bunch of games and be a playoff team. Yeah. And that, and that day in Seattle didn't play with Watt or Merciless. So from that perspective, the, the – Let's just say that Deshaun stays healthy. Everything else happens. happens. Nothing you can do about it. Let's just say that Deshaun stays healthy. I think the one other key would have been Deontay Foreman because when he has that game against Arizona, all of a sudden you're turning the corner with two bona fide stars at quarterback and running back as rookies, and you're like, okay, whoa. Now, I do think there would have been a ceiling on what they could have done last year with Deshaun healthy? With right. Deshaun healthy. On. Only only because the offensive line at some point. Teams would have started seeing Deshaun a little bit more, maybe made some adjustments. And I do think that the offensive line last year still – sure. they would have been held back a little bit. But I still think they would have definitely gotten to the playoffs. Well, let's well hang on. Let's look at it this way. Do you beat the Colts? Yes. Right? Yeah, right. After the injury? They, right after Deshaun's injury? Yes, right. you beat they, the Colts. They go out to the Rams, they lose that game. Okay, yeah, I'll give you, you that. Know, they might win it, but nah. I'll, give you, I'll, I'll take a loss. Arizona they beat with mm-hmm. Savage anyway. Yep. Uh, what's the next Baltimore. one? They Ravens. beat Baltimore because yep. they're right there. You know, these one-score games, they're going to win. These low-scoring one-score games. Tennessee at Tennessee. Win. All right. So at that point. The Colts again. You, you'll win that one at the end of the year. Of course. You know, now Pittsburgh. The Jags. Tough. The Jags, tough. I get it. You're going to lose those games. But at least. Now, you might not because maybe somehow you get yourself into a tennis match mm-hmm. for a while. Maybe you somehow beat the Steelers. I don't know. But and there's nothing but if we can you, do about it. But it's May. And but this if is what you we talk about. but but let's say let's say that it goes kind of like we just talked about. Let's say you do lose to the Jags, mm-hmm. the Steelers, and the Rams. Mm-hmm. Let's say let's say you lose those San Francisco. Those three. You're going to beat them too. There's You'll five. Beat I've got five more wins here minimum in those close games. So you're nine and seven, and because you've beaten Tennessee twice, you get the wild card. You would go to Kansas City and play Kansas City. You would beat Kansas City, and then guess where Guess where you would have gone for the divisional playoffs again? Oh, no. Back to New England. Oh, no. Back to New England in the divisional round. This Without time. Watt Merciless. Yeah. Now, all things considered being fully and completely healthy, again, I still feel like the – the, there, there still would have been a cap on what they could have done offensively because I think the offense, I think the offense line, and I got asked this the other day in Jacksonville, and, and they brought it up obviously because that's the day that Saxonville turned into Saxonville was Week One against us, and the, the offensive line that gave up ten sacks. They said, "Well, how how is that offensive line going to be?" And I said, "Look, it's going to be better." And then I thought, "Wait a second, 
it has to be better. There's no question it's going to be better. But I saw a statistic on online. There are no teams are replacing all five starters on the offensive line. Right. There's a potential for two teams to replace four guys, the Giants and the Texans. One, they could replace three, the majority with two or one. There are only three teams that could replace three or more. Mm-hmm. One, San Francisco, and then the other two are the but Giants like you and said, Texans. You're going to be better than you were. Right. You're going to be better. It's just a matter of how much better. That remains to be seen. I just don't think you can be much worse than you were. Right. And even with that offensive line, as I just said a little while ago, I think there would be a ceiling on what you could do offensively because of the offensive line. You still had a period where you were scoring 40 points a game right. with that offensive uh, line. Right. But in this what-if scenario, I'm not even asking you for the 30 or 25 or 20. I'm just asking you for one more touchdown. Yeah. Maybe yeah. one more field goal in some instances. Yep. And I think you get that yeah. with a healthy Watson. And you're right. You know, By say the offensive line is going to be better – uh, that might not be saying much, might not be saying right. much, but maybe you're saying a whole lot more if things gel the way they want. And with a healthy Watson, we all know that yeah. the offense looks a whole lot better. This just in. Yeah, and and I even joked the other day saying that Deshaun was the best offensive lineman this team had last year. But I do think this offensive line will be, I think it will be significantly better. You're talking about Nick Martin going into, the only starter you think that's going to remain is going to be Nick Martin, who's going to his second year as a starter, third year in the building. But Zach Fulton can play. Senio Kelmete can play. Chantrell, if he can get back to before his his uh, his sickness, if he can get back before that, he was playing pretty well as yeah. a young guy. So if he can get back to that, Martinez Rankin, if he is as what I think he can be, I think he's going to be a good lineman. But Those this are the question really, marks. But really, it all comes down to in 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 most I think in most people's eyes and mine too. What does Julian do? And right. I think Julian, I, and I feel good about that because I think Julian's going to end up being a player at left tackle. I think he's going to be a really solid player. Well, we'll have a chance to see him on the field tomorrow. Yep. Looking forward to yes. uh, getting your comments on uh, what you're going to see tomorrow. Tomorrow night's show all about OTAs, John Harris, and I'll make an appearance as well, of course. Thank you, Johnny, for thank being you, here today. And thank you all for listening. This show available on iTunes. Tune in wherever fine podcasts are available. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.